Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know about our teams. Protect your brother today, man. Don't leave nothing on this field. <laughs> but how well do you know this week's opponent? Let's go behind enemy lines. Now back to Dan Grasser on 98.7 ESPN. That's right, hour number two on this Thanksgiving Eve. Time for a little behind enemy lines. We talked to all Jets in that first hour. Well, how about the team they're playing on Sunday? That would be the Chicago Bears. Heck, they already made a trip up to MetLife Stadium earlier in the season. They fell to the Giants by a score of 20-12. to 12. So it'll be the second trip up for our next guest. He, of course, played for the Chicago Bears and those Monsters of the Midway teams. Now he, of course, uh, does an outstanding job as part of their radio broadcast team. It's our good pal Tom Thayer, who's nice enough to join us here on the program. Tom, Dan Grassi here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. How are you? Well, happy Thanksgiving to you, Dan, and all your listeners. I appreciate you having me and looking forward to coming back to uh, New Jersey this weekend for another big game. Yeah, bring an umbrella, even though you won't have to be out in it. Sounds like the forecast could be a little wet, which means, hey, we know you're going to have possibly a quarterback, at least on the Jets' side, who only has a couple of starts under his belt in Mike White. I guess my question to you is, who's the Bears' starting quarterback going to be on Sunday? Any more clarification there? Well, there really isn't clarification because, you know, I, I admire Justin Fields' honesty going to the podium and kind of giving an explanation of his uh, – injuries I don't think it's a smart thing to do especially when you're getting to play a defense like the New York Jets and kind of giving a little bit of fuel for the fire however if the training staff and the coaching staff and the general manager think that Justin Fields is healthy enough to go out and challenge this New York Jets defense then that's the decision they have to make me personally I would play Trevor Simeon instead of Justin Fields um, but I'm, you know, not in a position to make that decision, and I do have um, some concerns for him. I watch enough tape of the New York Jets and understand this is one of the best defensive fronts and defensive front sevens uh, that I've seen in a long time. And not, not to, you know, not to mention their defensive backs, but just the immediacy of um, the, you know, sometimes the lack of protection the Bears have given Justin Fields, given how many sacks he's taken. I just wish they were, uh, you know, proceed on the side of caution and give him an opportunity, maybe not necessarily a week to watch, but to be the third quarterback and let Trevor Smeehan and Nathan, Nathan Peterman be the quarterback and back up. Now, if I read between the lines to your answer, it's kind of you're saying that err on the side of caution because Fields not being 100%, he's so valuable to the future of the franchise, you're afraid to maybe see what this defense could possibly do in terms of making that injury worse when you're talking about a guy with a separated left shoulder. Is that what I'm reading here? Yeah, you know, I'm worried because, you know, to me, if Justin Fields is ever going to be the quarterback that he's expected to be for the future of the Chicago Bears, it's going to be because he throws the ball well and efficiently, and he uses his legs when he needs to. 
right now he's using his legs for the majority and he's not throwing from very many yards per game. And if you're going to eject the pocket here and try running away from the defenders or trying to avoid defenders that are in your face immediately, I just don't think that's a smart way to go about business for Justin at this stage of his career. And, um, if he is less than 100%, listen, I played, in one of the, I played with one of the best defenses in history with the 85 Bears defense, and they were licking their chops when they came across a quarterback that may be a little dinged up. And I do have concern for the player, um, and I'm not super concerned. Um, I'm more concerned for Justin than I am where the team is at this specific point. Now, you mentioned the defense, and, and you also brought up that 85 unit. And for my money in my lifetime, that's easily the best I've ever seen. And I was very young, but still remember it well. And, you know, you go back and watch the films and everything. Not saying that this Jet defense is on that level. Of course not yet. However, this certainly has the same DNA as those 49ers defenses under Robert Sala, similar to the one that they still employ. You guys saw the 49ers up close and personal in week one. Now, that was during uh, a monsoon that day at Soldier right. Field. But when you look at this Jet defense on film, do you kind of see those similar characteristics as to what you've seen all those years with San Francisco? Yeah, but I think the front of this New York Jets defense is better. I think they're more physical. They have more size. They're more threatening um, by defensive linemen being able to win the block immediately. Their linebackers play downhill with bad intentions and aggression. They understand how to read um, the kind of the protection the defensive linemen up front give to them, being able to sustain two blockers and let these guys have some freedom. So when you look at the whole package of what their their defensive front offers, it's a supremely aggressive group of guys where they can rush the passer while they're stopping the running game. And I think that's kind of a unique trait of great defenses that they don't have to do one or the other because they can do both while they're doing the huddle call defense at the snap of the ball. Tom Thayer, Bears Radio Network, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Jets and Bears coming up Sunday at MetLife Stadium. You know, no offense, Tom, you being an offensive lineman, but, you know, you think Bears, you think tradition, and you think defense. And a lot of it, of course, had to do with 85. Before that, you go to Butkus and all that. I mean, that's you think Bears, you think defense. Matt Eberflus, defensive head coach by nature. This unit has taken some lumps this year. You know, they also had a couple subtractions at the trade deadline, of course, and trying to mold this thing for the future. Do you identify a number of long-term pieces on this defense right now, or do you still think it's a work in progress with the personnel that they have? Oh, gosh, I think it's a work in progress. I would be surprised if there would be five or six of these guys left after Ryan Poles gets an opportunity to have a full draft with the maximum amount of money being able to be spent. He came in as a young general manager and did a really nice job of manipulating the draft to get extra picks, but they were behind the curb in terms of the salary cap. But, you know, when you think of Kyler Gordon, you think of Jaquan Brisker, um, you know, I I mean, those are a couple of the guys that, you know, stand out and say, okay, they're going to be part of the future. But I think every single other piece – and, you know, that is, is getting a chance to play right now or competing for a job. And, you know, one of the best guys that's come on board in the last couple of weeks after the trade of Roquan Smith has been free agent linebacker Jack Sanborn out of the University of Wisconsin, who's playing um, the middle linebacker position, and he's playing really well. 
when he got inserted in the lineup, he led the team in tackles, and he's been one or two in the team of tackles in the last couple weeks. But they're not getting a lot of pressure from the defensive line. Uh, If the defensive line isn't putting pressure on the quarterback or being able to hold up multiple offensive linemen, the linebackers aren't getting a chance to run free. You're trying to give a starting job to Kyler Gordon, a rookie uh, cornerback that has got a lot of pressure uh, you know, on him when you are that identifiable piece that you can pick on in the secondary. Yeah, they have Jalen Johnson, and I think he's uh, really got, you know, he's going to be part of the future of this football team. So, yeah, Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker, and Kyler Gordon could be part of the future. Eddie Jackson is a guy that's been on board for quite a while, but even Eddie with a big contract and have some Pro Bowl experience, you know, you know, he needs to be a part of the upgrade of this defense, not just, you know, uh, you know how they've been playing the last couple of years. And Gordon and Brisker are in concussion protocol, too, so who knows if they're even going right. to be able to give it a go Sunday, so that would deplete them even further. You know, back to fields for a second, uh, Tom. It, it really seemed like that Monday night win in New England where they went in there and shocked a lot of people by running up and down the field on the Patriots. That seemed to me like the first of, like, the second act of this season for Fields. And in the sense, it almost seems like the offense decided, okay, let's turn it over and really start to utilize his strengths, play to his strengths, which a lot of it is what he does with his mobility. Now, you said earlier that, you know, if he's going to be a well-rounded quarterback, he's going to have to improve the the passing element of things, which is all well and good. But, you know, for the time being, it seems like this offense maybe has another gear to it, given the fact that they're just letting Fields go out there and play to his strengths. Yeah, but to me, as an ex-offensive lineman and a guy that's been around the NFL for 40 years, that's the danger zone. Mm-hmm. You can go back into your memory bank and tell me five quarterbacks that have went to the Super Bowl that are relying upon their legs rather than being able to become an efficient passer. And I think that's where Justin needs to go. To me, if I was had anything to say or I was a coach of the Bears, I would ask Justin or I would say don't don't run the ball anymore. I don't care if you finish the season with 25 interceptions. I need you to become the passer that in two years we might have to pay $250 million for. I'm not going to pay you because you're a Randall Cunningham or a Michael Vick or, you know, John Elway before he learned how to throw the ball or Steve Young when he stumbled through the USFL in Tampa before he got to sit and learn from Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. So, and listen, man, I have all the admiration in the world for Justin Fields. He is a dedicated football player that spends a lot of time in the building and after practice with his receivers. But if you're not a quarterback that can read defenses, get the ball out of your hands, make that your priority, and then make him even more dangerous as a runner, I, I don't want to see him get hurt, and that's, that's what worries me. I'm a season ticket holder. I've been a Bears fan my whole life. I grew up in Chicago, and I played with one of the, the best teams in the history of the league, and that's because we ran the ball really well. Jim McMahon threw the ball when he needed to, and we had a great defense. And if Justin thinks that he's going to be reliant upon his legs for the next 10 years in the NFL – it hasn't happened for anybody yet that's led to a Super Bowl, and I'm worried that it wouldn't happen with him either. Let me ask you this one too, Tom, because it seemed like before this season, of course, 
the Jets have been going through something similar in developing the young quarterbacks. And the excuse was always, well, they don't have a lot around them. They don't have the weapons at their disposal. They don't have guys that can make their job easier, whether it's the line, whether it's the receivers or whatnot. You look at this Bears team on the offensive side of the ball, you know, they don't have a lot of guys at the skill positions that would scare the opposition. So everything that we talked about is one part of it. But how about the other component where is Justin Fields able to develop and mature at the rate that the Bears would like to get an honest evaluation if the skill personnel is not necessarily at a level where you would want it to be for a young quarterback to play his best? You know, there was a lot of talk about the receiver position before the season started. So they have Darnell Mooney, and I think he's a really good, young, dedicated player, but he doesn't have that superior size that maybe EQ St. Brown has that they brought from Green Bay, or they traded for Chase Claypool. They got uh, Cole Komet, who's developing into a really bright tight end, who's got a 6'6-plus type of frame. So they brought along the receivers that are identifiable targets downfield if you know what you're looking for. And they have David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, even though he's going to miss the game, as a really solid running back tandem that have significant rushing yards. They catch the ball well out of the backfield. David Montgomery picks up blitzes very well. So they do have some key components. But when you're playing a fifth-round draft choice at the left tackle position, you're playing a center that they brought in Lucas Patrick so they could change the Sam Mustafer, but he's been injured. And then they have Riley Reef and Michael Schofield on the right-hand side that were veterans they brought in to be backups before the season started, and now they're starting. So, yeah, a lot of the um, assistant weaponry that they have around them, offensive line and receivers, you know, it's, it's not the best, but – they brought in these 6'5", 6'4", 6'6", receivers to help them, but it's up to Justin to be able to understand the play Carlton Huddle. Where does his protection strengths lend him to have a little bit extra time? And then identifying the receivers downfield and make the difficult throw and giving them a chance. And that's where Justin needs to get to before, you know, we consider him of, you know, that next contract that, these guys are getting and it's you're you know you talk about 250 million dollars 150 million dollars of a guaranteed so if you're going to make that type of investment especially by a young general manager by ryan poles you better be darn certain that this guy is the throwing quarterback that you expect this offense to use more so than just a, a second running back no doubt about it. And again, it'll be interesting to see if he's going to be out there on Sunday and see how this one plays itself out. Tom, always appreciate a couple you know, of minutes thing, that you give us. Not to, yeah. not, not, to, not to interrupt you. Yeah. See, that's why I was kind of excited to see Trevor Simeon play because Trevor Simeon is a straight dropback passer. And now if you have Luke Getze call him the pass plays that he calls for Justin, now Trevor Simeon sees him as a straight dropback passer and you have the Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney and EQ St. Brown and maybe a Valus Jones Jr., and you have Cole Komet, maybe he sees the passing game with a little bit more efficiency and experience that Justin does. So it would tell a little bit more of the story from the quarterback position. Sorry to interrupt you. 
No, nah, no problem at all. But the only problem with Simeon, you know, his mobility isn't really, you know, one of the greatest things in the world. And, you know, we talked about that Jet defense. You know, he could be a sitting duck back there at times. So it'll be interesting to see how they play this thing, no doubt. But, Tom, thank you so much, as always, for hopping on. Have yourself a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, I'll pop uh, one booth over and knock on the door and say hi on Sunday. Looking forward to seeing you. All right. Thanks for having me. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. All right, there's Tom Thayer, Bears Radio Network, and, yeah, played on a pretty darn good football team, uh, among others there with the 85 Bears. He was a young offensive lineman during that group. So that's interesting. You heard Tom say, you know, uh, his best guess is that, you know, maybe Fields is not able to go, and I think if you're a Jet fan, you know, maybe that's music to your ears because certainly Fields the more dangerous quarterback than, let's say, Trevor Simeon is. Trevor Simeon was here for a year as the Jet backup quarterback under Sam Darnold, and he got a chance to play a game when Sam had the mono in 2019 and unfortunately never finished that game because he ended up breaking his leg when Miles Garrett got the better of them on that Monday night uh, in 2019. We come back. You know what? We'll continue the calls. Also, we got to switch gears and talk about this giant game and – We'll see who is even going to be available to suit up for them tomorrow against the Dallas Cowboys. Dan Grasso Show, we go till 9.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Take it to about 9.30. Then we're going to turn things over to Dan Grasso. He's got pregame for you. Rangers and the Ducks. Same lineup as last night. Yeah, you like that. Same lineup as last night for the Blue Shirts, except you're going to have a new netminder, Yaro Halak. Going to get the start tonight for Igor in the second half of the back-to-back, as you would expect. So, Yaro, seeing if they could pick him up his first uh, win of the season. And, by the way, in case you weren't paying attention to the newswire today, Rangers made a trade. That's right. Ryan Reeves It's really not that much of a surprise. You know, he's been phased out. He's been a healthy scratch for – I think like seven of the last eight games. So Revo sent to Minnesota for a fifth-round pick. Also frees up some salary cap space because, you know, the Rangers, it's like the worst-kept secret in the world, seem to be linked to a certain individual out there with the Blackhawks called Patrick Kane, who's won a few things in his career. We'll see if they can make that happen before the trade deadline, but you got to get the cap space to do so, so this frees up a little bit more here, trading away Revo. He was good for him last year, you know, imparting that physical presence, bringing that that demeanor to the lineup. You know, they needed that edge, especially after everything that happened the previous year with Tom Wilson and the thing with the Capitals, and, you know, that was part of the offseason makeover that Chris Drury had in his first one as the GM, but that's 
you know, identity has kind of shifted a little bit now. You got other guys who could kind of throw their weight around a little bit on that team, and certainly Truba's been a you know physical presence and wears that C on his sweater for a reason. And you know, you also have guys that have you know gotten into this lineup like the Gochiers of the world who are really playing hard and displaying some skill on that fourth line and made somebody like Ryan Reeves expendable. But he was a good Ranger, and you know, you wish him well. In Minnesota. So that's coming up in about an hour from now. You know, I thought it was interesting when Tom, uh, Tom Thayer mentioned, you know, the Jet defense. And, you know, when I asked him about the comparisons there to San Francisco, and he thought that this Jet defense was more formidable than even the ones we saw with the 49ers when they were at their best going to the Super Bowl a few years back. And that was pretty, some, uh, pretty interesting. And, you know, I, I guess what really still kind of catches you by surprise is just the transformation that they've undergone in one offseason, really, with the Jets and how bad they were defensively last year. They were like Swiss cheese. I mean, routinely teams were going in there putting up 30 points. Like, it was nothing. Pass rush. The secondary was, you know, depleted. And now this is easily one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's almost fun to watch, you know? Not often do you sit down and you watch a team play and almost like you're looking forward to the defense being out there because you want to see how much damage that they're going to do to the other offense. And I think you've reached that point with the Jets. You really have, especially those guys on the defensive line in the front four. It's not a blitzing team, as you know. That's not really what they do in this scheme. They just get after you. They get after you, and it's been responsible chiefly for the reason why they're 6-4. and four. And they're going to have to lean on them a little bit more here until they get this offense figured out, which may or may not even happen until the end of the year. As far as the Giants are concerned, it's a tough one tomorrow. The line, by the way, has gotten all the way up to 10, believe it or not, against the Cowboys here. And if you look at the laundry list of the walking wounded, both starting corners aren't going to be playing tomorrow with Dory Jackson and Fabian Moreau. Okay? Daniel Bellinger is still out. You're going to have four offensive linemen who are going to be out tomorrow. Evan Neal's not going to play. Shane Lemieux, Josh Azudu, John Feliciano. I mean, it is it's like a mass unit. Questionable, Dane Belton, Andrew Thomas, Tyree Phillips, Jason Pinnock, and Richie James. Now think about what this Cowboys defense did to them back in MetLife Stadium on that Monday night earlier in the season when Demarcus Lawrence beat Evan Neal like a drum. Now Evan Neal's not going to be there tomorrow, so you just wonder, okay, how are they going to be able to keep those guys off of Daniel Jones and give him a chance, Right just to give them an honest chance. And if you're not even going to be able to – if you're not going to be able to run the ball – and I know that Dallas run defense, you know, is susceptible, but Giants couldn't run it last week against the Detroit Lions, who have a terrible run defense. And if you're missing offensive linemen and you're just plugging guys into those spots, you wonder if it's going to take a toll on the rest of that offense. And that's what would concern me, I think, about the Giants tomorrow. I think they'll keep this thing closer than maybe most people do. You know, they're just expecting a blowout because Giants are beat up, coming off a bad performance. Dallas looked like world beaters last week in Minnesota. I actually think the Giants are going to keep this competitive. It's a division game, rivalry game, even though it's a short week. Dayball, that's their greatest strength this year. Saquon Barkley, Brian Dayball, and Dexter Lawrence. Those are like the three beacons of light for the New York football Giants. Wilson and Roxborough, he's up next, 98.7. Wilson, how are you? Hey, how you doing? First things, uh, uh, happy uh, Thanksgiving to you and your family. Uh, hopefully everything is good. Same to you, Wilson, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen, uh, on, on Daniel Jones and on the Giants and on the Cowboys, on Daniel Jones, I mean, you know, for all the – because all the greatness about Patrick Mahomes, because everybody wants a Patrick Mahomes clone, I mean, he does throw to wide open receivers 70% of the time. I mean, you watch Kansas City games, and uh, 
you know, Daniel Jones doesn't have the luxury. You know, he, he does. I think he's a pretty good quarterback, but, you know, he doesn't have the luxury. So that's one thing. Another thing is uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think they, I think it's, I think it's going to be a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, I've been listening to this song for the Cowboys, man, for years. You know, they're going to the playoffs. They're going to the playoffs. They're going to the Super Bowl. Every year they're winning the Super Bowl. And they always crumble like a cookie, man. So if the Giants can keep it close, the pressure in the fourth quarter is going to be on them. But if we have to lose the game, the only thing I want, I just don't want Daniel Jones and Saquon to get hurt. And then we just take our chance, man. We'll, ha- we'll be 7-4. and four. We got six games to go, and we just got to win three out of six. It's not impossible. So uh, with that, I, I say thank you for uh, for letting me talk, and, uh, and have a good night. Wilson, thank you for the phone call. I hear what you're saying. On paper, a lot of people aren't going to be giving the Giants a chance. I mean, of course they're not. Look at Vegas. Like I said, the line's up to 10 right now. But you don't want to just punt on – you don't want to punt on any game, but specifically you don't want to punt on this game because look down the road. And I still think the Giants have another spurt in them. You know, they're not going away quietly. I still think they'll find a way to get to 10 unless the injuries just completely continue to deteriorate this lineup. But if you lose tomorrow, you're 0-2 in the division. Okay, you lose the tiebreaker to Dallas because they would have swept you. And as tightly packed in as this NFC East is, you know, with Philly and the Dallas and, and, and Washington all right there along with the Giants, these division games are huge because you need to break ties within your own division. Forget about making the playoffs as a wild card if you can't break ties within your own division. Because when it comes time to trying to break ties with the other teams in the other divisions, you're going to not even be given that chance because you're going to be behind the other clubs in your own division. These are huge games. Right? And tomorrow... Kicks off the four, the first of four straight against the NFC East. You got Dallas, and then you got two with Washington, and a Philly game sandwiched between the two with the Commanders. This is an incredibly, incredibly important stretch for the Giants here, and you'd hate to punt even on one of these games. All right, we come back. We'll continue to go behind enemy lines, and we'll talk about the Giant opponent. The Dallas Cowboys, Todd Archer, our pal from ESPN who covers Dallas, will join us coming up next. Dan Gross' show till 9.30, then it's Ranger Hockey right here on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. It means the Cowboys in the late afternoon window, and tomorrow their opponent's going to be none other than the New York Giants, as the two teams right now find themselves tied in the NFC East. And to dive a little bit deeper 
into the pokes. We bring in our next guest. He covers them for ESPN, does an outstanding job. It's our pal Todd Archer, who we welcome back to the program here on 98.7. Todd, Dan Grassa, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well, Dan. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. How about this Cowboy team? You can't be doing much better than they are right now, considering what they did to the Vikings last week in Minnesota. Maybe caught a lot of people by surprise, maybe just in the sheer nature of how lopsided it was. But all in all, I think that things are pretty good in Jerry World these days, no? Yeah, but you go back to that Green Bay game where they lost, gave up a 28 or a 14-point lead for the first time in franchise history in the fourth quarter. And the, the feelings coming out of that locker room was like, I can't believe they lost this game. They're never going to win again. You know, oh, here comes the collapse. And then they go to Minnesota and do what they did that all of a sudden now it's almost like there's an overcorrection to think, oh, wow, no one can beat the Cowboys. Man, this is going to be a team that rolls for their first Super Bowl since 1995. So it's obviously somewhere in between. And I think this game on Thanksgiving against the Giants is huge for the Cowboys to show that, that I don't know if one hit wonder is the right word, but that they, they have the ability to sustain success. And that's been an issue that this team has had for, for a few years now, honestly. And not looking too far ahead, of course, but you talk about the game tomorrow with the Giants, and they are as banged up as banged up can be. But then you got the Colts and the Texans at home, followed by a trip to Jacksonville. Yes, you take them one at a time, but just in terms of the road ahead, I mean, this is a chance for the Cowboys to maybe pocket a few more wins here over the next month before heading into that final stretch. Right, and because you want to have that, Christmas Eve game against the Eagles means something, right? And so there is an opportunity, like you said, to make sure that that game means something by beating teams that, frankly, you should beat. You'll definitely be favored to beat. Um, so, but it is the NFL, and, you know, we've seen strange things happen, and you, you never can tell. But, again, if the Cowboys, as Jerry Jones said, after that uh, game against Minnesota, he believes it's a team that, can be a Super Bowl team, and, and the players are convinced that they can be a team that can make a run. Well, now it's about proving it, right? And, and they, they kind of did that in Dak's rookie year during the regular season, going 13-3. and three. They had a stretch there in 2018 after they uh, got Amari Cooper. They had a stretch last year, certainly at the start of the season, where they had it. And this is really the first time they've had back-to-back -back successful campaigns. And if they make the playoffs, It'll be the first time they've made the playoffs in back-to-back -back years since 06, 07. So, you know, you're talking about a, a long run there where they've kind of ridden a roller coaster. Now they got to show that they can each week show that they are who we think they are, if I'm quoting Denny Green correctly. I, I think you did there for sure. And, you know, look, obviously there's always something around every turn with the Cowboys over the years, right? It always seems like there's danger lurking, some sort of drama, whatever, that gets in their way of getting to the top of the mountain here. But, you know, if you're looking for little signs and little glimpses, you know, you talked about what happened at Lambeau Field a couple of weeks ago. They were able to shake that off, come back, and blow out the Vikings. But as long as they had to go this year without Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush was able to go in there and hold down the fort, play winning football, with the exception of that one game, there in Philly I mean all things considered I would think that that would be a nice little precursor as to all right hey maybe this isn't going to be same old Cowboys this year and it's going to have a different end to the story yeah but the second they lose one game I think it's the same old Cowboys stuff is going to come out from a lot of people that that are now touting them right so that, that's kind of the balance beam that they're walking on but I, I do think you're right I mean this is an offense that's gotten better in the last say well since Dak's been back and, you know, you're getting a healthier Michael Gallup. You're getting a healthier Ezekiel Elliott. 
You're getting more sustainable and positive offensive line play. You're seeing Tony Pollard come on and, and play great. Uh, you have Tyron Smith coming down the road here, coming back to, to be in the lineup from a, from surgery that he had in training camp. So there are some signs that things are that things could be better for the Cowboys as it gets going on defense. It still remains about the run defense and, and how well they can do. And that's why Saquon this week is a huge challenge because, you know, last week, I think not that Minnesota got away from the run game because the game got away from them so quickly, mm-hmm. but you saw green Bay stick with the run when they're surrounded by 14, you saw the bears stick with the run when they were down 14, made a game of it. Um, so I, I think the giants are a team that if they were to get down 10, 14 points in the first half, they're still going to stick with Saquon and, and, and make the Cowboys show that they can stop the run. And, and frankly, that's been their Achilles heel on defense all year, really. I mean, there's probably been two games, I think, where they've not given up at least 117 yards on the ground. Yeah, and, and that's kind of odd. We're talking with Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN here on 98.7 ESPN, because, you know, last week the Giants played the Lions. Lions don't have a very good run defense at all, but they weren't really able to get anything going on the ground, which was kind of strange. We know how good and how dangerous the the Cowboy pass rush is this year. It might be one of the best in the national – not one, not might be. It is one of the best in the NFL – why is it that they're so good in that one department, but when it comes to trying to stop the run, they've had so many issues this year? Well, heck, if I knew the answer to that one, I'd be making a lot more money than, than I am. <laughs> now. Well, shoot, I'm not making a lot of money. You know what I'm getting at. Um, but some, some of it is, uh, you know, body types that they have on defense. They, they are a lighter defense, rely on speed more than size. Uh, they've had trouble with edge runs and, outside zone and things like that have given them troubles. Um, they, they've had a couple of games where they've tackled poorly. And look, you know, beyond, beyond Saquon, you got uh, Jonathan Taylor coming up, Damian Pierce coming up, Travis Etienne coming up, Derrick Henry coming up. The Eagles, we all know they, they can run the ball. So they're going to be challenged every week in this run defense, uh, even if they have a week where they stop it or do a good job against it, because that's the way to beat these guys. But I, I think last week, one thing that, I think the Cowboys finally put to bed that Micah Parsons is an edge player. They're not going to, he might be off the ball some, but certainly not as much as he was against Green Bay. I think he only lined up off the ball once last week against Minnesota. He, he causes so much damage and so disruptive w- when he's on the edge. I think you'll see him play there dominantly for the rest of the season because he's just so good in affecting the quarterback. Are you surprised in a pleasant sense at all, Todd, that they've been able to have kind of this Tony Pollard, you know, certainly rising to the forefront more when it comes to the run game with Zeke still around and both of them kind of coexisting with very little to no distraction or disruption between the pair or anywhere else inside that offense? Yeah, not not really because Tony is the guy that's earned it. And I think, you know, and, and Zeke, for for whatever anybody wants to think about Zeke, he has always been a team first guy and he is rooted for Tony as much as any other teammate is rooted for Tony. And, and what they got going right now is, you know, you hear, you still hear a lot of people say, Hey man, they got to get Paul the ball more. Zeke has washed up. They're just paying, playing him because he's got the big contract, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Right. But how they got it going, why would you change it? You know what I mean? Like Zeke mm-hmm. is the guy that can kind of beat up the defense, get the tough 30 yards, and Paul is a guy that can break the big plays, and, and it's kind of the best of both worlds for the Cowboys right now. The, the question, honestly, for the Cowboys comes after this season when Paul is a free agent. How do they keep him? 
does it come at the expense of Zeke? Do they work something out with Zeke to keep him here now that they're out of the guaranteed portion of the, the contract he signed a few years ago? So, you know, the, the, those are problems they can resolve come March. I, I think the way they got this going right now with Elliott, with Pollard, why change it up? They're, they're getting the best of both words for both guys. No doubt about it. Todd Archer joining us here, talking Cowboys on 98.7 ESPN. That first matchup against the Giants on the Monday night up here, Cowboys pass rush got after it, made made it a long night for Daniel Jones. Now you look at this Giants offensive line. I mean, they may be submitting open invitations for people to come out of the stands and suit up for them. They are just so beat up. Demarcus Lawrence wrecked the game that night himself. He doesn't even have a Neil to beat on on uh, tomorrow afternoon because he's not going to play there. So um, is there any way that you see that the Cowboys are not going to be able to feast, at least when it comes to getting after Daniel Jones? Gosh, I don't want to say yes. I'll sound like a, or I don't want to say no. There's no way they can't because I don't sound like a complete homer. Um, but no one's really slowed down the Cowboys' pass rush, really. When I'm trying to think about it, I mean they've affected the quarterback all year. So, and the number of sacks that they got, not only the number of sacks they have, but the number of different guys that have recorded sacks. I think they're at 11 guys with at least one sack, uh, and not just the defensive line. You see linebackers, you've seen safeties, you've seen corners. So. Dan Quinn has done a good job of dialing it up and make sure as much as their pass rush is about Micah Parsons, it's really about a whole bunch of other guys, Demarcus Lawrence, Thorne Armstrong, Osa Digizua, uh, you know, all these guys that they kind of roll through, Dante Fowler, Sam Williams, all these guys that they can roll through. It reminds Jerry Jones of the 1990s Super Bowl team with that pass rush, and, you know, they went eight or nine deep with those guys, and, and that was their formula of success, and that's been the formula of success for these guys this year. Seven and three in November. Normally you think, okay, certainly that's pretty good. I think a lot of teams would sign up for that here. Um, but when you're the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, you're always in the spotlight and under it with Jerry Jones watching over. How, uh, what temperature would you assess the uh, hot seat, if you will, for Mike McCarthy? Cool, hot, warm in the middle? Where are things right now? Or is this still to be determined come January? Right, I think you just hit it. And we had this question on NFL Nation about uh, you know, who's on the hot seat and revisiting who we said was the guy at the start of the year. And, uh, you know, it clearly was McCarthy at the start of the year. And honestly, I think when this team makes the playoffs, or I guess it, I guess it's when, right, at 7-3, and three, sure. uh, the, the clock resets to zero, right? I mean, for and that's just the nature of the business when you're the Cowboys coach or the Cowboys quarterback. It goes back to zero for Dak, too. He's got to be a guy that gets his team to an NFC title game. McCarthy was here to do more than what Jason Garrett did as a head coach and, you know, get to an NFC title game, if not a Super Bowl. So I would say it's a little warm. I think lukewarm might have been the term that we used and we were breaking it down uh, on ESPN.com. So I'll say lukewarm, but he deserves a ton of credit for where this team is based on not having Dak Prescott for five games with a broken thumb. Nobody thought, not the, the, the eternal optimist Jerry Jones, not the most diehard Cowboy fan, thought that they would go four and one with Cooper Rush as their starting quarterback. And and Mike McCarthy deserves a lot of credit for that. And again, just imagine what if he went one and four without without Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush as the quarterback, what would we be saying about about him right now? So uh, Mike McCarthy has done a tremendous job uh and it probably gets overlooked because there is talent here because it is the Cowboys and some other guys across the league starting with the Giants, Coach Brian Dayball. I mean he's I'd still probably name him the coach of the year right now uh, for what he was been able to do with a team that's not won, what, more than five games since whenever that was. Um, was McAdoo the coach? 
That was Ben McAdoo in 2016, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, he deserves a ton of credit, but Mike McCarthy's done a fabulous job for the Cowboys this year. But, again, it's the Cowboys. The clock resets to zero once you get to the playoffs, and you better not have a have a San Francisco-type flameout like you had uh, in, in January. Always under the gun when it comes to that stuff. You're spot on about that. But all things considered, I think he's done a good job this year for all the things that you just outlined. But now we'll see what happens here over the last six, seven games of the season and then into the playoffs. Todd, thanks for a couple of minutes as always, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and enjoy that game tomorrow. It should always be a fun one. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks a lot to you and your family as well. Okay, thanks. There's Todd Archer, ESPN, covers the Cowboys. Pokes, Giants, coming up tomorrow afternoon. NFC's football, rivalry football. It's good to have that on Thanksgiving. You know, you like the rivalry games when you're home and you're going to be able to soak them all in. We'll go through the Thanksgiving slate in depth, offer some picks as well coming up at the top of the hour. Remember, we're going until 9.30 tonight. Then it's Rangers-Ducks hockey coming up right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. You can get me on Twitter. We'll be with you till the bottom of the hour. Then it's Rangers-Ducks, final game of this four-game West Coast swing for the Blue Shirts. Before they head home, they enjoy their Thanksgiving, take a couple of days off, and then they're right back at it on Saturday afternoon for a matinee against the Edmonton Oilers, as a matter of fact, at MSG. So we'll have all the coverage for you coming up tonight. Of course, the story of the night for us been the Jets, the quarterback change, Zach Wilson out, Mike White in, Zach Wilson, a healthy scratch, inactive, Joe Flacco is now the backup. Um, you know, Richard was talking about something before we ended, and the reason why I don't think you just run it back again this week, even though it's against an inferior opponent, or at least on paper, an inferior opponent in the Chicago Bears, is that, okay, you go out there and you play well, all is right with the world again. But then you're going to Minnesota next week. You're going to Buffalo the week after that. Two tough road games. And then what happens if you struggle? Then you're right back to where you were effectively over the last couple of days. And I don't think you want to maybe postpone that process because you at least, at least want to, A, figure out if Mike White is going to be able to pilot this ship the way that you want it to. And to be able to move the ball up and down the field and to score points and to make this offense click and to help out this defense, which seems like it goes above and beyond each and every week. That's number one. And number two, you want to be able to indeed, if you want to say that this reset is going to be the best thing for Zach Wilson, well, you know what? Start the process now. Right? Because... We want to get a little bit more information before the year is over. You don't want to head into next year or head into the offseason with all of these questions and, you know, all of this uncertainty about is he or isn't he? Do we have to go out there and bring in a veteran? You know, what's the plan of attack? Because I don't think you can, if you've watched this team all year, you cannot say that the one thing that will be holding this team back has been consistent quarterback play. And if you had even mediocre quarterback play, You'd be in first place right now. You would be in first place in the AFC East. And we didn't think that was something that we could say at the beginning of the season. Anthony in the mail truck. He is up next on 98.7 ESPN. Anthony, how are you, buddy? Dan the man. What's going on, brother? How are you? Anthony, things are great, bud. What's going on? Nothing much. First of all, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Same to you, my friend, as always. Thank you. Um... 
so quickly, I'll, I'll be quick for you so you can uh, rebut at the end. But, you know, I just – Zach Wilson, with, with the way, you know, Josh Allen handles the media after a loss, he puts it all on himself. And I feel like that that is a huge reason why he's not getting the start this week. And it was the quick answer. It was the quick no. And, of course, his play on the field, obviously. But with that being said, I heard the Michael K. show talking this morning – I mean, I'm sorry, this afternoon about, um, you know, comparing his, his 20, first 20 starts to uh, Josh Allen's 20 starts. I, it, it's, it's apples to oranges for me. Josh Allen is a, is a far superior quarterback, and when Josh Allen became Josh Allen, that was when he got Stephon Diggs and, you know, the offense started to pick up and, you know, he got weapons around him. And Zach has weapons, and it's unfortunate that he lost Brees Hall because – I feel like that that would have been a huge part for uh, huge help for him uh, with the offense. But my my comparison is to Jamarcus Russell, who only got 20 starts in the league. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that Zach Wilson's done in the NFL because I don't think he is with today's NFL. I feel like some other team, if the, if not the Jets, someone's gonna give him another shot. And Ryan Leaf, he had 21 starts, I believe. So you know I, I've watched football for the last 20 years of my life. I don't remember seeing a quarterback with this many weapons and, you know, such a phenomenal defense struggle so much than, than Zach Wilson does. It's it just, you know, kind of like what Dan Olofsky was saying um, a couple of days ago, I believe, on Get Up. You know, it just it looks like he just can't read a defense. It, it, it's, I, I don't know, Dan. And, and this is coming from a non-Cowboy, uh, a non-Jet fan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe you guys have a lot more, you know, insight on it, but I watch it every day because, you know, I, I, I live in New Jersey, so they're always on CBS or Fox or, you know, whatever they're on. But I just don't think that he is a good quarterback. You know, maybe I'm wrong, Dan. I don't know. Well, well Anthony, look. Thanks, call, brother. Thanks, dude. Have a great holiday. Um, look, you got 20 games, and so far the output of 20 games right now has not been great. You know, 20 games, there really hasn't been much there to validate that number two overall pick. And there were questions coming into the draft. You know, I, I remember talking to so many people leading up to the draft last year about all those quarterbacks. Remember, Fields and Zach and Trevor Lawrence and, um, you know, whoever else was going to be part of the mix or thought to be part of the mix. And the question that I remember asking a lot of people you know, scouts and so on and so forth, out of all these quarterbacks, which one do you think has the greatest probability of being a bust, right? Like, which one, you know, has the best or the, the, the most likelihood of not working out? And the majority of the answers I got back were Zach Wilson. And a lot of times, and I always point this out, a lot of times in sports, and in particular here with quarterbacks, a lot of your success is going to be predicated on environment, organization, right place, right time, those type of things. You know, you could be the greatest quarterback in the world. You could have all the tools, all this, but if you're in a bad organization, bad management, poorly run, all those things conspiring against you, you're not going to fulfill your potential. It's just not going to work out for you. 
you know, whether you have a horrible offensive line that you're going to play behind and you're going to take a beating and you're not going to be able to see the field, make plays. If you got bad skill position players alongside of you, nobody to be able to help you out, that type of stuff, you're not going to fulfill your potential. Last year you had a rookie who was going through his lumps. The team wasn't all that very good around him. You know, you didn't have a lot of permanent fixtures around Zach Wilson last year. This year, and as Anthony just said, if you watch the games and you see how this team plays, it's a different story. I know the offensive line has taken their lumps and they've been injury-plagued. I get all that stuff. But weapons, talent, a lot of quarterbacks. A lot of quarterbacks make it work with a lot less. And I'm not comparing the two. But, you know, Zach Wilson idolizes Aaron Rodgers. Who's got better weapons to work with this year, Aaron Rodgers or Zach Wilson? And I know that Aaron Rodgers is not playing at the level that he usually does, but he also has a broken thumb, he told the world today, and he's been playing with that since week five. But he's Aaron Rodgers. He's an all-time great. He's going to the Hall of Fame. But you got guys here that can make it work, you know? Dudes that can go out there and make plays, and that's why you see their frustration boiling over. And it boiled over on Sunday up there in Foxborough. When they're they're running wide open in the end zone on post routes, which forget about even difficult throws. Those are easy throws for an NFL quarterback. Hit a guy in a post from 20, 25 yards out where there's no defender within sight. I mean, any NFL quarterback is supposed to make that throw. That's a touchdown. And if he's not even seeing that, and that's the play I'm talking about with Denzel Mims, who was wide open, and he didn't even see it to deliver the ball. Instead, Zach tucks the ball under, and he runs and scrambles for six yards and runs out of bounds. All right, great, take six yards, but you know what? You had six points. That's your bypassed. Buddha in the Bronx, up next here on 98.7. What's up, Buddha? Hey, Dan, what's going on, baby? Buddha, talk to me. What's going on? All right, listen, you know, my immediate focus has shifted, you know, the minute they made the announcement, which was pretty much long overdue, to the game that they have to actually play. Now, whether Fields is playing or not, and I love me some Fields, but whether he's playing or not, the Jets are favored to win this game, and they need to win this game. And, you know, you spoke about something a little while ago. Did I, you know, I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's the, um, the Lions versus the Bills. Mm-hmm. Now, listen. The Lions are not a good team, but they have talent in certain areas that can make things difficult, especially on the offensive side, that can make things difficult for another team. Uh, this game with the Bills is going to show you a lot about who the Bills are. I mean, the kid Williams from the Lions, you know, he's been running hard and everything like that. But, Jamal you know, like the Lions, there's no way that the Lions should beat the Bills. The Bills should cover. You know, I heard what you were talking about, but if the Bills don't cover – I mean, it's already over with the MVP thing. We know Mahomes is still better than Allen. But if the Bills lose this game, I mean, they're going to be in a complete free-for-all. You know, I don't care what anybody says. I but thought that was last Detroit. week, Buddha. They had every excuse yeah. in the world with the snow and everything and being displaced to Detroit. I thought that there was a decent chance they would maybe lay an egg against Cleveland, and they didn't. So I, I give them credit. I, you know what I mean? Like, I was convinced yeah, yeah. that might have happened, and if it didn't happen last week, I, I think they'll find a way to still pull through tomorrow. I think they're going to blow the lines out, personally. But if they don't, it's, it's still either way. It's still – the focus for me is still on the Jets. Now, these teams that we were supposed to beat and all these games that were supposed to be easy, take the Bears aside because the Bears are horrible. You know, Fields is out there, like, making magic happen. The team sucks. But the Lions, the Seahawks, Mm -hmm. um, the Vikings, 
These, these are, the Jaguars, I think the Jets could beat them. I still think that they're still a couple of years away from being a good team. But, listen, if they're going to make this move, which they should have done, and I'm excited about to see Mike Evan White like everybody else is, not because of just what happened in that game, but just to see if the offense, just to get a, a, a sense of if it was the same thing like last year. The quarterback was so bad that they you know, weren't able Buda, to Buddha, you know why? You know why? Because yeah. you as a fan don't want to watch what you watched last Sunday ever again. That's why you're excited. And I think people in that organization feel the same way, too. I got to run, though, but have a happy Thanksgiving. That's what led to this. Is I mean, to put it mildly, just you and I talk in terms. We all watch what happened on Sunday. People in that building don't want to watch that ever again. That's why the move was made. You can have bad games. Sometimes, you know, a defense has the better of you. It's almost like they got an ear inside your huddle, and they got you figured out from top to bottom. But when it's preventable and when it's self-inflicted, and if you have somebody who's not doing his end and holding up his end, you got to make a change, and that's why they made it. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Remember, we're taking it for another 15 minutes. Then it's Rangers-Ducks coverage right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Rangers-Ducks coming up at the bottom of the hour. Don and Dave are going to have the call for you at 10 o'clock as the Blue Shirts see if they can make this a triumphant road trip and then enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday back home for a couple of days. I'll tell you, a team that has been living above the clouds, it seems like, over the last few weeks, the New Jersey Devils, this 13-game win streak is in jeopardy right now because they trail the Maple Leafs 2-0 with about 13 minutes to play in Newark. The Devils had two disallowed goals. It was valid, though. They were both – one was played by a you know a skate into the net. The other one, they tripped up the goalie, so goalie interference didn't count. So, Devils, maybe the magic is running out tonight. We shall see. Nevertheless, what a start to the season for those guys. Talk about unexpected. Nobody saw that one coming. Uh, let's say hi to Rudy. He's an NJ. He is up next on 98.7. Rudy, how are you? How are you? Happy holiday to you and your listeners. You're having a great show. I just want to throw in my two cents and ask you. Yeah. I asked your producer, are you, are you a golfer by any chance? You know what? I'm not. I'm more of a tennis guy in terms of the physical activities, okay. but I, I, I certainly know a thing or two about the golf. Okay. There's an old golf saying that good golfers – remember their bad shots, and bad mm-hmm. golfers remember their good shots. So I'm thinking of the Jets' GM, Joe, and I'm wondering if he's more disappointed in himself about the two quarterback picks he's taken or the nine, eight, nine, ten great picks he's taken. You know, what do you think he's concentrating on? Because we have a problem at quarterback. Not if, not definite, absolute. And I wonder yeah. how he's going to solve that. I, I, I think he probably accentuates the positive more, Rudy, and I thank you for the phone call. And, and you know, like, for instance, you said the two quarterbacks. If you mean, you know, James Morgan, who he took in, what was that, a fourth-round pick in 2020, and he's – I don't even know if James Morgan's still in the league, but I don't think he's losing any sleep over that one. You know, obviously you don't want to waste a second overall pick on a guy who's not going to pan out. You could have traded that pick for other assets and so on and so forth in hindsight, but I think Joe Douglas certainly has done a heck of a lot more good than bad when you're talking about his draft record as the general manager of the Jets. Remember, he didn't draft Sam Darnold. That was Mike McCagnon that drafted Darnold. The only quarterbacks Joe has taken, of course, is, as I mentioned, James Morgan and Zach Wilson. Team is 6-4. and four. Team has a lot of young talent. Young talent that's not going anywhere anytime soon. So 
I think that if I'm Joe Douglas, I'm focusing on that. And they're always going to try to find ways to make this team better and make their team better and improve. But, you know, it helps to have a quarterback that's top-notch. But there are some teams that won Super Bowls with quarterbacks that weren't really all that great. And I don't think they're apologizing for it because they look at their finger and they see a ring and they're not thinking about who the quarterback was. You know, the Ravens aren't thinking that Trent Dilfer was the quarterback when they won in 2000 or Brad Johnson was the Bucks quarterback in 2002. And, you know, there's countless other examples of guys who maybe weren't household names or Hall of Famers that won Super Bowls, but still just as effective nonetheless. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, right? It's the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback not too long ago. Jets have to do something here. Jets have to shake it up offensively. Team is good enough to win to have the offense going out there and only being able to muster three points. Do you realize, I know some of you are watching soccer, some of you aren't with the World Cup. Do you know Spain, France, and England, all in their first matches during the World Cup, they all outscored the Jets from this past Sunday. That's a fact. (laughs) So, got to do better than three points. You got to. Even a defense playing as well as the Jets are, they need more than three points to work with, right? Now, they only gave up three in their own right, but you leave yourself no margin for error, like a walk-off punt return, essentially. <laughs> Very emotional. Arthur in Long Island. Arthur, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I, I called earlier. So uh, You called earlier tonight? I, yes, I, I couldn't get on, but anyway. Oh, um, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, who did who did Zach play against uh, at BYU? Here's my question: He ne- he didn't take the Wunderlich. Isn't that a prime component of uh, drafting a quarterback? Not really. I don't I don't put a lot of stuff into that, Arthur, because you know what? There have been guys that have aced the Wunderlich that can't go out there and play football to save their lives. You know, that's just one component of it. I think that we find too many ways to sit there and try to declassify quarterbacks at this point. And there's so much now with the combine and the testing. And remember, the thing that sold Zach Wilson more than anything else was his arm talent, off-platform throws, off-schedule throws. How many times did we hear about that? And even since he began his NFL career, that that's when he's at his best. Those are his strengths. Those aren't happening in the games. And sometimes when he goes off-platform and does things like that, he's reckless and throws the ball up for grabs, and you see throws that get intercepted. It ends up hurting his team. So, bottom line, just get a guy out there who can go and, and play the position. And it's hard for a young quarterback. It's hard. You know, once upon a time, for a lot of years in the NFL, guys that came into the league, they didn't just get thrown right in there. They sat and watched. He got thrown to the fire. Maybe sitting for a little bit could benefit him long-term. And I don't think it is the end of the line for him. I really and truly don't. But it's the end of the line for us. Thanks to Todd Archer and Tom Thayer. Thanks to Harvey. Thanks to Julian. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Remember, we'll talk to you Friday at 3 for the K Show. Right now, Rangers hockey coming up next. Dan Grasa, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>